Greetings, faith to faith. Welcome to today's college curriculum Bible study. I'm Fernando, your professor. Rivers of Revelation, Kenny Copeland. From their book, KCM.org, their book called Faith to Faith as our text. We're using it as our text. It's free online, so we're taking advantage of the... uh, of their generosity. Amen. Kenny Copeland uses uh, James one let Let's go ahead and start our prayers. Heavenly Father, we thank you for instructing us today, making us aware of your glory and your honor in these words. Lord, we praise your power. We praise your glory. Lord, thank you for the revelation knowledge of your Son, Jesus Christ, that lives in us. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you, Lord God, for your grace that's here today. Thank you for giving us hope, faith, and trust. We trust you, Lord. We thank you. We confide in you in Jesus' name. Amen. James one twenty two. But be you doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. Have you ever been in the position in the past where every time you open the Bible, you receive a river of revelation? Does it seem lately that the rivers run dry? If so, I strongly suggest that you backtrack to the last revelation God gave you. Back up and see if you acted on it, if you did what God showed you to do. If you don't, start again digging into that revelation and then putting it into action in your life. You'll soon find new revelations are beginning to flow. You see, revelation is most prolific when you are acting on the Word. I discovered that for myself again and again, the more I act on the Word, the more I see it into it. That's why James one twenty two tells us to not only hear God's Word, but to do it. It may seem like the things God has revealed to you are very insignificant. They may not even make good sense to your natural mind, But do them anyway. If you had insight in the spirit realm, you'll see they're far more important than you think. Open God's word anew today. Come before him expectantly of a fresh revelation of the scripture and commit to him to follow up with actions of obedience. Be a doer of God's revelation and not a hearer only. And your river will never run dry. Scripture for reading today is James chapter 1, verse 22 to 27. Let me go ahead and read that. I've got my trusty new King James Bible here. And I, I pray I flip over to James really easily. <laughs> James chapter 1, verses 22 to 27. Here it is. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. For if anyone is a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. If anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not brittle his tongue, 
but deceives his own heart. This one's religious is useless. Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep them oneself unspotted from the world. Again, we read this already, uh, but it, it sounds good again. Let's go ahead and and read our Proverbs for today. Proverbs 12. Whoever loves instruction loves knowledge, but he who hates reproof is stupid. A good man obtains favor from the Lord, but a man of wicked devices he will condemn. A man is not established by wickedness, but the root of the righteous cannot be moved. Verse 4, An excellent wife is the crown of her husband, but she who causes shame is like rottenness in his bones. The, the thoughts of the righteous are right, but the counsel of the wicked are deceitful. The words of the wicked are lie in wait for blood, but the mouth of the upright will deliver them. The wicked are overthrown and are no more, but the house of the righteous will stand. A man will be commended according to his wisdom, but he who is of perverse heart will be despised. Better is the one who is slighted but has a servant than he who honors himself but lacks bread. A righteous man regards the life of an animal, but the tender mercies of the wicked are cruel. He who tills his land will be satisfied with bread, but he who follows frivolity is devoid of understanding. The wicked covet the catch of evil men, but the root of the righteous yields fruit. The wicked is ensnared by the transgression of his lips, but the righteous will come through trouble. A man will be satisfied with good by the fruit of his mouth, and the recompense of a man's hands will render him to him. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he who heeds counsel is wise. A fool's wrath is known at once, but a prudent man covers shame. He who speaks truth declares righteousness, but a false witness deceit. There is one who speaks like the piercing of a sword, but the tongue of the wise promotes health. The truthful lip shall be satisfied forever, but a lying tongue is but for a moment. Deceit is in the heart of those who devise evil, but counselors of peace have joy. No grave trouble will overtake the righteous, but the wicked shall be filled with evil. Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who deal truthfully are his delight. A prudent man conceals knowledge, but the heart of a fool proclaims foolishness. The hand of the diligent will rule, but the slothful will be put to forced labor. Anxiety in the heart of a man causes depression, but a good word makes it glad. The righteous should, should choose his friends carefully, for the way of the wicked leads them astray. The slothful man does not roast what he took in honey, but diligence is man's precious possession. In the way of righteousness is life, and in the pathway there is no death. In the way of righteousness is life, and in its pathway there is no death. Amen. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I like the one where it says, uh, 
but the tongue of the wise promotes truth. The truthful lips shall be established forever. And counselors of peace have joy. Deceit lurks inside the heart of those who are devising evil, but counselors of peace have joy. Heavenly Father, we pray that you make us good counselors of peace, that we may have that joy and that promise from your word. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, amen. Have a good existence, family. Be good. Greetings. Welcome to today's podcast, May 11th, Never Fall by Kenny Copeland. Let's go ahead and pray, and we have the opportunity to do the communion this morning. So we will pray and get our communion started. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your great love. Thank you for your commission of your Son, Jesus Christ. For our benefit, Lord God, and for your glory, Lord God. We praise your power. We thank you for your glory that shines in Christ Jesus and in us, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you for loving us and living in us and cleansing us through the blood of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's go ahead and partake of the bread of life. Lord, Father God, we thank you for sending your Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for us. Thank you, Jesus, for breaking your body willingly. You went, Lord, and you have restored us. You have renewed us. By your stripes we're healed. By your stripes we're made whole, complete. We just give you all the love and all the praise and all the glory. We surrender to you, Jesus Christ. Thank you, Jesus, for doing this for us, allowing us to come in into your kingdom inviting us as guests into your Father's house, Lord. Thank you that now we've been called children of of God. And that's who we are, Lord. We thank you, Abba Father. We thank you, Daddy. We can call you Daddy now because of, of Jesus Christ. And Lord, we enter into that peace that Jesus purchased for us, Lord. Let's go ahead and take of the body of Christ in unison, please. And Jesus, he took the cup and said, This is my blood shed for you for the remission of sins. For the ratification of the New Testament. Lord, we thank you, Father. We are in new covenant, Lord, in Christ Jesus. Thank you for the blood. It covers us, heals us, protects us, keeps us safe, cleanses our spirits, Lord. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We are the sanctification of God in Christ Jesus. I am the redeemed of God in Christ Jesus, and I am sanctified. I am the wisdom of God in Christ Jesus. Amen. Let's go ahead and partake of the blood. Hallelujah. 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 Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Amen. Today's teaching on faith to faith is, is Never Fall by Kenny Copeland. 2 Timothy 2.15, 
Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needed not be ashamed. A lot of people have been playing games when it comes to the word. They claim to be fake people in public, but in private, they never open the Bible at all. Then, when a time of trouble comes and they try to stand on the word, they fall flat on their spiritual faces. Well, the time for playing games is over. It's time for us to realize that the real faith involves action. James 2.20 says, Faith without works or corresponding action is dead. If you want that kind of faith that will keep you on your feet when others are falling around you, you need to take some action where the word is concerned. First, you need to study. You can study the word in many ways. Not only can you read it, you can dig deeply into it with concordances. Greek, Hebrew, dictionaries, and other study guides. What's more, if you have a media player, you can walk around half the day listening to teachings. It's only one way of study, but it is a powerful one. The second you need to do is go where the word is being preached. When Romans ten seventeen says, Faith comes by hearing, is talking about the preached word. Whenever I start... feeling surrounded by problems, excuse me, and I'm having trouble hearing from God, I drop everything and find some place where I can hear the word preach. I receive more answers from God that way than I can count. Even though the preacher may not have been preaching about anything even remotely connected with the issue I was struggling with, some words of scripture would suddenly start my thoughts in a certain direction. Then I realized that is the answer to the problem I've been dealing with for the past six weeks. Third, you need to start confessing the word you heard. Find the promise of God that comes, covers your situation and then declare it loud as if it has already come to pass in your life. Get serious about the word of God. Go hear it preach. Confess it. Becomes such a, become such a diligent workman that the devil himself will look at you in fear and say, there's one believer who's not playing games anymore. <clears throat> Second Peter, additional reading is Second Peter chapter 1, verses 3 to 10. 3 to 10. God's divine power has given us everything we need to live a truly religious life. Let me go ahead and change the translation for this one. We'll go to the uh, New King James. Alrighty. It says, well, we'll start with verse 2. It says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who calls us by glory and virtue, by which we have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust, but also for this very reason, giving all diligence add to your faith virtue to virtue, knowledge, to knowledge, self-control, to self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness, to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. 
For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And with that, thank you, Lord. Thank you for the word of God. So let's go ahead and do a little bit of Psalms, please. Or a lot of Psalms. But enough for us to have a good meal today. Psalms 11 says, In the Lord I put my trust. How can you say to my soul, Flee as a bird to your mountain. For look, the wicked bend their bow. They make ready their arrow on the string, that they may shoot secretly at the upright in heart. If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes behold his eyelids. His eyelids test the sons of men. The Lord tests the righteous. But the wicked and the ones who love violence, his soul hates. Upon the wicked he will rain coals, fire, and brimstone, and a burning wind shall be the portion of their cup. For the Lord is righteous. He loves righteousness. His counts behold the upright. Isn't that interesting? Um, that's the end of that psalm. Isn't it interesting that the, the wicked will receive the opposite of what paradise is right now? This description that raining coals, fire, and brimstone, like sulfur and a burning wind, <clears throat> shall be the portion of their cup. That, that sounds to me like the opposite of what we have right now. We have a spring rains that makes the earth smell so good. We have beautiful, pure oxygen and birds in the air, sweet and and tender wind. That is a portion of our cup to those of us who have said yes to the Lord. It hurts our hearts to know that so many people are not going to make it. They're not going to make it. They're, this is going to be their inheritance, you know, because of simple little gesture they can say. They can say, yes, Lord, yes. I'm a sinner. I need your help. Yes. <clears throat> because they do not let Jesus in because of pride. or they don't, Jesus didn't do the things that they wanted on their schedule, on their demands. Thank you so much for coming on today's podcast. I love you. Let's keep moving on and be the lights of Jesus. I thought about something today, this morning. Uh, Thank you, Father, for being my sound. Every time you see the word light, change it to sound. The Lord is the sound of my life and my portion. The Lord is the sound of my heart and my portion. Isn't that interesting that the word sound is, is the same as the word sound? Sound in health, sound in, in, in life, sound in marriage. Why do you think that is? When we make a sound, make a sound, a new sound unto the Lord, sing unto Him, praises. The sound is us 
When we don't have something, we have to sound it out loud. We haven't been sounding it out loud. Sound it out loud. Proclaim his promises, his word. We've been sounding the wrong things. We've been complaining and calling that complaint to come forward. Instead of sounding out a promise and having that promise, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I am a world overcomer because I am born of God. Greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. No weapon formed against me will prosper, but whatever I do will prosper in the name of the Lord. My God supplies all my needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. In the Lord, I can run over a mountain. He strengthens my heart and my arms. I can bend a bowl of steel. The Lord is my strength and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? I will call upon the Lord, who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. The Lord, Father God, loves me. He loves me, cleanses me. He cleanses me with the blood of His Son, Jesus Christ. I am the wisdom of God in Christ Jesus. Greetings, welcome to today's podcast, May the 10th. Head for the light, Kenneth Copeland. We have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto you do well that you take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place unto the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. Second Peter 1.19 So many times when we need insight into a problem, we try to get it by focusing our attention on that problem. We study it, we ponder it, we examine it from the, every angle. But the Apostle Peter gives us a different approach. He says we should take heed or focus our attention to the written Word of God until the answer to that problem dawns, us, dawns on us through the light of revelation. We use the term seeing the light in the natural all the time. We say, have you seen the light on that yet? Meaning, do you have insight on that situation? Well, the entrance of God's word into our hearts brings light. Psalms 119, 130. It brings the insight we need. Have you ever been in a dark room and tried to find your way out? Or being lost outside in the night? What is the first thing you look for in these situations? Light. It could be coming from under the door or shimmering from a lamp in a house far off. But either way, you head straight to it, and you don't waste your time studying the darkness. You don't focus your attention on that. You fix your eyes on the light because you know its brightness will drive out the confusion of the darkness and orient you to your surroundings. If you need insight on some problem or situation you're facing, pay attention to the word, head for the light, and the answer you will need will dawn on you. Scripture reading is John chapter 1, verses 1 through 9. 
the background is streams and birds, gentle streams in Yosemite via YouTube. John chapter 1, verse 1 through 9. In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. From the very beginning, the Word was with God. Through Him, God made all things. Not one thing in all creation was made without Him. The Word was the source of life. In this life brought light to people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not put it out. God sent His messenger, a man named John, who came to tell people about the light, so that all should hear the message and believe. He himself was not the light. He came to tell about the light. This was the real light, the light that comes into the world and shines on all the people. Amen. May 11th, Never Fall, by Kenneth Copeland. Study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needed not be ashamed. 2 Timothy 2.15 A lot of people have been playing games when it comes to the Word. They claim to be faith people in public, but in private they never open the Bible at all. Then, when a time of trouble comes and they try to stand on the Word, they fall flat on their spiritual faces. Well, the time for playing games is over. It's time for us to realize that the real faith involves actions. James 2.20 says, Faith without works or corresponding action is dead. First, you need to study. You can study the Word in many ways. Not only can you read it, you can dig deeply into it with concordances, Greek Hebrew dictionaries, and other study guides. What's more, if you have a media player, you can walk around half the day listening to teachings. It's only one way to study, but it is a powerful one. The second thing you need to do is to go where the word is being preached. When Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes by hearing, it's talking about the preacher's word. Whenever I start feeling surrounded by problems and I am having trouble hearing from God, I drop everything and find some place where I can hear the word preach. I receive more answers from God that way than I can count. Even though the preacher may not have been preaching about anything even remotely connected with the issue I was struggling with, some word of scripture would suddenly start my thoughts in a certain direction. Then I realized that the answer to that problem I've been dealing with for the past six weeks. Third, you need to start confessing the word you heard. Find the promise of God that covers your situation and then declare it over out loud over things 
if it's already come to pass in your life. Get serious about the Word of God. Study it. Go hear it preach. Confess it. Become such a diligent workman that the devil himself will look at you with fear and say, there's one believer who's not playing games anymore. Let's go read 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 to 10. It says, from Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ. God's divine power has given us everything we need to live a truly religious life through our knowledge of the one who called us to share in his own glory and goodness. In this way, he has given us the very great and precious gift he promised so that by means of these gifts, you may escape from destructive lust that's in the world and may come to share the divine nature. For this very reason, do your best to add goodness to your faith, to your goodness add knowledge, to your knowledge add self-control, to your self-control add endurance, to your endurance add holiness, to your godliness add Christian affection, and to Christian affection add love. These are the qualities you need. And if you have them in abundance, you will make you active and effective in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But if you do not have them, you are so short-sharded that you cannot see and have forgotten that you've been purified from your past sins. Beautiful, beautiful words of life. Thank you, Heavenly Father God, that we've been purified from our past sins, Lord. We thank you for delivering us into your world and making us according to your riches and glory, forgiving our sins in Jesus' name. May 12th, River of Revelation, Kenny Copeland. But be you doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving your own selves, James 1, 22. Have you ever been in the position in the past where every time you open the Bible, you receive a river of revelation? Does it, does it seem lately that the rivers run dry? If so, I strongly suggest that you backtrack to the last revelation God gave you. Back up and see if you act on it, if you did what God showed you to do. If you don't, start again digging into that revelation and then putting it into action in your life. You'll soon find new revelations are beginning to flow. You see, revelation is most prolific. When you are acting on the Word, I discover that for myself again and again, the more I act on the Word, the more I see into it. That's why James 1.22 tells us not only to hear God's Word, but to do it. It may seem that the things God has revealed to you are very insignificant. That may not even make good sense to your natural man. 
But do them anyway. If you had insight in the spirit realm, you'll see you're far more important than you think. Open God's word in you today. Come before him with expectancy of a fresh revelation of the scripture and commit to him to follow up with actions of obedience. Be a doer of God's revelations and not a hearer only, and, and your river will never run dry. Scripture reading is James 1, verses 22 to 27. James 1, verses 22 to 27. Do not deceive yourself by just listening to his word. Instead, put it into practice. If you listen to the word but do not put it into practice, you are like people who look in a mirror and see themselves as they are. They take a good look at themselves and then go away and at once forget what they look like. But if you look closely into the perfect law that sets people free, and keep on paying attention to it and do not simply listen and then forget it, but put it into practice will be blessed by God in what you do. Do any of you think you are religious? If you do not control your tongue, your religion is worthless and you deceive yourself. What God the Father considers to be pure and genuine religion is this, to take care of orphans and widows in their suffering and to keep oneself from being corrupted by the world. That's religion. Huh. Amen. Where are we going to find orphans and widows? Amen. I guess the Lord will lead us to find some orphans and some widows. Amen. Praise Jesus. The three, there's three significant people, Job, Noah, and, and maybe uh, Samuel. Uh, the Bible says that this three took care of orphans and widows, that they were perfect people. Isn't that cool? That is so cool, to know your Bible, to understand your Bible. Okay, let's go move on to May 13th. Take Your Place by Kenneth Copeland. For my determining purpose is that I may know him, that I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him, perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of his person more strongly and more clearly. And that I may, and that I may in the same way come to know the power outflowing from his resurrection. Philippians 3.10, the Amplified Bible. The more you fellowship with God around his word, the more you'll know the power outflowing from his resurrection. You'll develop joy. You'll develop faith. You'll start developing God's own characteristics. Just by fellowshipping with Him, you'll begin to understand who you really are in Jesus. I remember the day I was reading the story of the woman with the issue of blood who touched them, touched the heart, who touched the hem of Jesus, 
garment and was healed. I heard that story so many times and picture myself as almost everyone in the story, just experiencing how it would be, feel to be someone in the crowd and even the one who was healed. Suddenly God spoke to my spirit and said, read it again and this time picture yourself as one the one wearing the garment. I was stunned. Lord, I said, how can I do that? I can't take your place. That's just what's wrong with the body of Christ, he told me. That's the reason the word doesn't know everything about Jesus. That's the reason the world doesn't know much about Jesus. You identify with everyone except me, but I sent you to be my witnesses, to imitate me, to stand in my place, not everyone else. So I read the story again. This time I picture myself in the role of the one with the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Instead of crawling up to touch the hem of his garment, I was the one wearing the garment, freely given what God has given me. After all, the Bible does say, close yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you know what? who cares? The devil, most of all. Believers who found out that they can do that. Believers who, instead of begging for a little touch from Jesus, are letting his very life flow up to others. Come on, give the devil his scares. Fellowship with your father around the word and start discovering who you really are today. Scripture reading is Luke chapter 8, 40 to 48. 40 to 48. Luke chapter 8, 40 to 48. When Jesus returned to the other side of the lake, the people welcomed him because they had all been waiting for him. Then a man named Jairus arrived. He was an official in the local synagogue. He threw himself down at Jesus' feet and begged him to go to his home because his only daughter, who was 12 years old, was dying. As Jesus went along, the people were crowding him from every side. Among them was a woman who had suffered from severe bleeding for 12 years. She had spent all she had on doctors but no one has been able to cure her. She came up in the crowd behind Jesus and touched the edge of his cloak, and her bleeding stopped at once. Jesus asked, Who touched me? Everyone denied it, and Peter said, Master, the people are all around you, crowding in on you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me, for I know it when power went out of me. The woman saw that she had been found out, so she came trembling and threw herself at Jesus' feet. There in front of everybody, she told him why she had touched him and how she had been healed at once. Jesus said to her, My daughter, your fate has made you well. Go in peace. Amen. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
Greetings, family. Welcome to today's podcast. I pray that you are found in good health, moving about, getting your exercise, and studying. Are you studying the way we should be doing? Today, reading for the uh, Faith to Faith, let's go ahead and open it with a moment of silence, followed by the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Today is the 3rd of May. Let's go ahead and do uh, the 3rd. I'm bringing it up right here. Can He Count on You by Gloria Copeland. Lord, give us ears to hear, eyes to see. Fill us with your word this morning. Cause us to walk in your righteousness for your glory and your honor. In Jesus' name, amen. In Luke 12, 42, and the Lord said, Who then is that faithful and wise servant, whom his Lord shall make rule over his household, to give them their portion of, of meat in due season? Luke 12, 42. We often praise God for his faithfulness. We're thankful that we can always count on him to be there for us. But we rarely consider that the fact that he needs us to be faithful too. It's true, God needs people he can count on. He needs faithful and wise stewards he can trust over his household. In this final hour, he needs faithful believers to team up with him so he can manifest himself on the earth more than ever before. You say, oh, God doesn't need me. Yes, he does. Ever since the creation, when he gave man the dominion over the earth, he needed people to work with him to get his will done here. You can see that all through the Bible. When the children of Israel were in bondage in Egypt and he wanted to lead them out, he teamed up with a man, Moses, to get the job done. Moses' responsibility was to stretch out his hand in the earth and command the will of God to be done. Why did he choose Moses? Because he needed someone who was faithful and would dare to act on his word. He needed someone he could count on, and he knew Moses was that kind of man. In Psalm 103, verse 7, says, He made known his ways unto Moses, his acts unto the children of Israel. If Moses hadn't been faithful to know God's ways, the children of Israel would never have seen God's acts. God needs you, just as he needs Moses. He needed Moses. He needs you to be faithful and alert to spiritual things. He needs you to be someone he can trust to know that his word will be obtained to it and obedient. He needs you to be a steward who will stretch out his hand like Moses did so that he can perform signs and wonders before the people. Will you be faithful? It's a decision you have to make. No one can do it for you. Right now, commit yourself to be that wise and faithful servant. 
Say in your heart with your mouth, God, you can count on me. Say, God, you can count on me. And today's reading is, let's go ahead and go to uh, the book of Psalms. The humbling of a king. Lord, I have so many enemies, so many who are against me. Listen to how they whisper their slander against me, saying, Look, he's hopeless. Even God can't save him from this. But in the depths of my heart, I truly know that you, Yahweh, have become my shield. You take me and surround me with yourself. Your glory covers me continually. You live high my head. I have cried out to you, Yahweh, from your holy presence. You send me a father's help. So now I lie down and sleep like a baby. Then I'll awake in safety, for you surround me with your glory. Even though 10,000 dark powers fall around me, I won't be afraid. Rise up and help me, Lord. Come and save me, God, for you will slap them in the face breaking the power of their words to harm me. For the Lord alone is my Savior, Yahweh. What a feast of favor and bliss he gives his people. Amen. That was the Passion Translation, Psalms 3. Let's move over to another translation, the uh, New King James Version. Here we go. Now let's go to Psalms 33. Beautiful Psalms. Wonderful. The sovereignty of the Lord in creation and history. Rejoice in the Lord, O you righteous, for praise from up is beautiful. Praise the Lord with the harp. Make melody to him with an instrument of ten strings. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully with a shout of joy. For the word of the Lord is right, and all his works is done in truth. Again, for the word of the Lord is right, and all his works is done in truth. He loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. By the word of the Lord the heavens were made, and all the host of them. By the breath of his mouth, he gathers the waters of the sea together as a heap. He lays up the deep in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in all of him. For he spoke and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. The Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. He makes the plans of the people of no effect. The counsel of the Lord stands forever the plans of his heart to all generations. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people he has chosen as his own inheritance. The Lord looks from heaven, he sees all the sons of men. From the place of his dwelling, he looks on all in the inhabitants of the earth. He fashions their heart individually. He considers all their works. No king is saved by the multitude of an army. A mighty man is not delivered by great strength. A horse is a vain hope for safety. Neither shall it deliver any by its great strength. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, 
on those who hope in his mercy to deliver their souls from death and to keep them alive in famine. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield, for our hearts shall rejoice in him because we have trusted in his holy name. Let your mercy, O Lord, be upon us just as we hope on you. Amen. Amen. Let thy mercy of the Lord be upon us, just as we hope on you. In Psalm 63, it says, O God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there's no water. So I have looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. Because your loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise you. Thus I will bless you while I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness, and my mouth shall praise you with joyful lips. When I remember you on my bed, I meditate on all your night watches. Because you have been my help, therefore in the shadow of your wings I will rejoice. My soul follows close behind you. Your right hand upholds me, but those who seek my life to destroy it shall go on to the lower parts of the earth. They shall be the sword. Excuse me. They shall be the portions for jackals, but the king shall rejoice in God. Everyone who swears by him shall glory, but the mouth of those who speak lies shall be stopped. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for your word, your wonderful word. Psalm 93, the Lord reigns. He is clothed with majesty. The Lord is clothed. He has girded himself with strength. Surely the world is established so that it cannot be moved. Your throne is established from old. You are from everlasting. The floods have lifted up. The floods have lifted up their voice. The floods lift up their waves. The Lord on high is mightier than the noises of many waters, than the mighty waves of the sea. Your testimonies are very sure. Holiness adores you. Your house, O Lord, is forever. Psalm 123. Unto you I lift up my eyes, O you who dwell in the heavens. Behold, as the eyes of the servant look to the hand of their masters, as the eyes of maids to the hand of their mistress. So our eyes look to the Lord our God until he has mercy on us. Have mercy on us, O Lord, have mercy on us, for we are exceedingly filled with contempt. Our souls is exceedingly filled with the scorn of those who are at ease, with the contempt of the proud. Have mercy on us, O Lord. Psalm 105, 23-45. Israel also came into Egypt, and Jacob dwelt in the land of Ham. 
He increased his people greatly and made them stronger than their enemies. He turned their hearts to hate his people, to deal craftily with his servants. He said, Moses, his servant, and Aaron, whom he had chosen, they performed his signs among them and wonders in the land of Ham. He sent darkness and made it dark, and they did not rebel against his word. He turned their waters into blood and killed their fish. Their land abounded with frogs. Amen. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you for coming on today's reading. God bless you. Welcome to today's reading. We're going to be reading May 2nd. Heavenly Father, give us your word. Thank you so much for our salvation. Thank you that you took the time to love on us and make us your children. We love you and we praise you for your son, Jesus Christ, and for the spirit of Jesus in us. Amen. Train your spirit by Gloria Copeland. Titus 2.12 in the Amplified Bible, it says, If grace has trained us to reject and renounce all ungodliness, irreligion, and worldly passionate desires, to live discreet, temperate, self-control, upright, devout, spiritually whole lives in this present world. Ooh. It has trained us it, ha- it grace has trained us to reject and renounce all ungodliness and worldly desires, to live discreet, devout, upright lives in this present world. When an athlete goes into training, he practices to improve his skills. He works or she works hard, repeating the same motions over and over until. They become what we call second nature. Most of us understand how crucial that kind of training is in the physical realm. We know that you simply can't be a winner without it. But did you know we can train ourselves the same way where spiritual things are concerned? That's right. In Hebrews 5.14 says we can train our senses to discern between good and evil. When you train or practice for something... You expose yourself daily to whatever it is you want to become. You practice it over and over until it becomes second nature to you. People who are lazy have practiced being lazy. People who are disciplined have practiced being disciplined. Spending time with God is spirit practice. As you do it diligently, your spirit will grow stronger and will start to overcome the habits of the flesh. If, for example, you have trouble getting up in the morning to spend time with God before the busyness of the day begins, if you're being given in to your flesh and staying in bed, then you'll have to start practicing getting up. The more you practice it, the easier it will be. Don't expect yourself to do it perfectly right from the beginning. Don't get discouraged when you stumble and fall. You're just out of practice. Get back on your feet and go at it again. Become a spiritual athlete. Put yourself in training by practicing the things of God. Build your spirit muscles through fellowship with Him. You will be surprised to find just how much of a winner you can be. 
Amen. That, that is for me. You talk about a coincidence. You know, the, the people, my friends, are out there watching the game right now. And I'm thinking, man, there's so much beauty and, and scripture in the Word of God. So I decided to come here and make up some of the days I miss. Like, I'm already in the 10th, but I missed the 2nd. So, and the 6th, 7, 8, and 9. So I'm doing my best to make up for them. Amen. May God bless our efforts. You're included. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 2 to 11. Let, thank you, God. Let's go over there and see what 2 Peter entails for us, okay? Chapter 1, verses 2 through 11. It says, May grace and peace be yours in full measure through your knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. God's divine power has given us everything we need to live a truly religious life through our knowledge of the one who called us to share in his own glory and goodness. In this way, he has given us the very great and precious gift he promised, so that by means of these gifts, you may escape from the destructive lust that is in the world and may come to share the divine nature. For this very reason, do your best to add goodness to your faith, to your goodness add knowledge, to your knowledge add self-control, to your self-control add endurance, to your endurance add godliness, to your godliness add Christian affection, and to your Christian affection add love. There are the qualities you need, and if you have them in abundance, they will make you active and effective in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But if you do not have them, you are so short-sighted that you cannot see and have forgotten that you have been purified from your past sins. So then, my friends, try even harder to make God's call and His choice of you a permanent experience. If you do so, you will never abandon your faith. In this way, you will be given the full right to enter the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Beautiful, beautiful stuff. Break through the wall. Kenny Copeland, faith to faith. Welcome to today's service. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Philippians 4.13 You're running the race set before you, moving full speed ahead with God's blessings overtaking you at every step. Then suddenly, wham, you hit the wall. It may be a wall of sickness or financial trouble, of spiritual failure or family problems, but regardless of the form it takes, the effect of the wall is always the same. It stops you cold. The question is, once you hit a wall like that, what will you do? You'll be tempted to quit, to turn back in defeat, be discouraged. 
But don't do it because God will enable you to break through the wall and keep right on going. I'm not going to tell you it's easy. The truth is, it's tough, really tough, but you have to push on through the tough times if you're ever going to have a breakthrough. Ask an athlete, he'll tell you that because he is a winner. He's been there. He pushed his body to what seems to be the maximum. His size has hurt. His lungs have ached. He's, he's had cramps in the legs and thighs. And just when he felt like he couldn't go on, he's heard some coach yell, Come on, move it, move it. Athletes called that hitting the wall. It is time when you're, the body says, that's it. That's all I can do. I can't go on any further. I can't go any faster. I quit. When you feel the worst, when failure is breathing down your neck, press into the word as never before. You may meditate on a particular scripture for days and even weeks sometimes, trying to get a revelation of it, seemingly without success. Then suddenly, like the dawn of the morning, light will come pouring in. You'll see the way to break through. All you have to do is punch on little hole in that wall of problems, dig one tiny hole in it with your faith and with the word of God. Then keep tearing away at that hole. Don't quit. And before long, the forces of God will come bursting through, demolishing every obstacle in their path. Once that happens, you'll never be the same again. You'll be hooked. It will only take one breakthrough like that to make a never-dying, never-quitting champion out of you. And the scripture for today, additional reading, is 1 Corinthians 9, 24 to 27. 1 Corinthians 9, 24 to 27. Here we go. Isn't it obvious that all runners on the racetrack keep on running to win, but only one receives the victory prize? Yet each one of you must run the race to be victorious. A true athlete will be disciplined in every respect, practicing constant self-control in order to win a laurel ref. That quickly withers. But we run our race to win a victory's crown that will last forever. For that reason, I don't run just for exercise or box like one throwing aimless punches. But I train like a champion athlete. I subdue my body and get it under my control. So that after preaching the good news to others, I myself won't be disqualified. May the Lord bless you and keep you and make the face shine upon you. Thank you for coming to today's beautiful Bible study. God bless you. Bible College. Amen. Reading Reflections from the Book of Proverbs. Thank you so much for coming on today. On the first, we'll be reading Proverbs chapter 1. But before that, insight on a our relationship with God and others. We see in Proverbs, in the chapter 1, especially verses 29 and 33, many people choose to live life as they please. They give in to their sinful impulses without thinking about God's will. Or I should say, we 
for us. It is foolish to fall to temptation just to feel good momentarily or escape emotional pain for a while. That path would only lead to addiction and fear. It will also lead us away from God, the only one who can really satisfy our deepest needs. The path to secure freedom and peace is narrow and requires listening to God's wisdom and exercising self-control. Recovery is a process, not a quick fix. Moving to Proverbs chapter 10, verses 4 and 5, there is little hope for people who are not willing to work hard. Recovery from damage, emotions, and, and, or addictive patterns is hard work. It requires persevering through each step in the process. But in recovery, we will discover that efforts alone is not sufficient. We need the faith to reach out and seize the opportunities that God brings our way. God shows His grace and goodness to us by providing chances for us to exercise our faith. He will also provide us with His spiritual support, wisdom, and encouragement as we seek to obey His will for our lives. Proverbs 12:25 reminds us of the, the value of encouragement. When people feel trouble or burden, few things can help them more than a few words of encouragement. We don't necessarily need to give them a pep talk or an it's going to be all right speech. Just letting them know that we are there for them and that we love them and are praying for them may be all they need. Real comfort comes, comes from feeling understood, not from hollow words and glitches. In Proverbs 13:17, we are reminded of the importance of reliable communications. It is an essential ingredient in any successful recovery program. We need to be honest with ourselves, God, and those helping us are helping us. If we hold anything back, others will not be able to help us completely. If we keep any areas of our addiction hidden, it will ruin the progress we have already made, just as a war can't be won with inaccurate intelligent reports. Giving inaccurate inaccurate information in recovery will keep us from conquering our dependencies. We see in Proverbs 14.2 that sin brings dishonor to God. This is one of the most important motivations we have for seeking recovery from our dependence. If we are truly seeking after God, we will want to obey and honor Him like children who want to please their parents. We should want to recover so we can please God, our Heavenly Father. The words in Proverbs 10.24 speak of self-fulfilling prophecy. What we expect to happen will happen. How we look at life often affects what actually happens in our lives. If we assume that our chances for recovery are hopeless, we have already doomed our recovery for failure. But if we approach re recovery with a positive outlook, trusting in God to see us through, we will progress in the recovery process. In Proverbs 13:11, emphasizes the importance of hard work. Just as hard work can produce material riches, it can also produce spiritual riches. Yet few are willing to persevere through pain and difficulty until their job is done. It is easier to roll the dice and go for the quick fix. There are no shortcuts to recovery or maturity. The roads of these goals are long with many small steps that need to be taken over and over again. 
We see in Proverbs 13, 16, it is wise to process our thoughts and feelings before we act. Acting on impulses can get us into trouble. Those struggling with addictions to things like drugs, food, sex, work, gambling, or shopping know this well. These kinds of addictions start when we give in to impulses that makes us feel good for the moment. The only problem is that the moment doesn't last because the impulses' behaviors don't meet our real needs. It is important to evaluate our real needs and find constructive ways to meet those needs so we can get past our addictive behaviors and find peace. One thing in life is sure, we will face constant change. As we live in our changing world, it is important that we learn to accept the things that we cannot change. Proverbs 14.30 reminds us of how important it is for us to find emotional serenity in this life. This is impossible if we fail to accept the things that we cannot change or control. We cannot change the past. We must take make peace with it by seeking to be forgiven and then forgive ourselves. True, it is easier to remain a victim of the past and seat with jealousy or bitterness over those who are given uh, were given advantages that we weren't given. Yet, as we are free from our past, we can put more energy into making positive changes for the future. The eyes and ears that Solomon was talking about in Proverbs 20, 21 are called perception and understanding. Accurately sensing what is going on within us and around us is the beginning of recovery from an addictive or unhealthy lifestyle in which pain and feelings were avoided or repressed. Only by allowing the painful realities of our lives to touch us will be able to admit we need help and begin the healing process of recovery. We would be wise to listen to the warnings in Proverbs 20:25. Impulsive promises to change don't work because they are not made wholeheartedly. They come from people who know what they should do but don't really want to change. Counting the cost involves serious examining what the promise requires of us and then being willing to fulfill the promise. If we don't want to change but realize that we probably need to, it is helpful to ask God to make us willing to change. It is only when we totally want to follow through our, with our promises that we will be able to. We often look with envy at people who indulge in sinful pleasures. Proverbs 23, 17 and 18 wants us to avoid the temptation to do this. Such people do whatever they choose without regard or for how their actions affect others. They seem to have easy and pleasurable life. Those who live righteously, however, seem to have it harder, at least initially. But as they move along the pathway to godly living, they have more fulfilling and meaningful lives. There is also an eternal perspective to be considered. Those who follow God will receive blessings in heaven, but those who live for themselves will face eternal separation from God. And now for the reading of Proverbs 1. Uh, these are the Before that, these are the scriptures that I mentioned. Proverbs 1, 29-33. Proverbs 10, verses 4 and 5. 12, verse 25, 13, verse 17, 
Proverbs 14, verse 2. Proverbs 10, verse 24. Proverbs 13, verse 11. Proverbs 13, verse 16. Proverbs 14, verse 30. Proverbs 20, verse 12. Proverbs 20, 25. And Proverbs 23, 17 and 18 verses. And now for Proverbs 1. These are the Proverbs of Solomon, David's son, king of Israel. Their purpose is to teach people wisdom and discipline, to help them understand the insight of the wise. Their purpose is to teach people to live disciplined and successful lives, to help them do what is right, just and fair. These Proverbs will give insight to the simple, knowledge and discernment to the young, let the wise listen to these Proverbs and become even wiser. Let those with understanding receive guidance. By exploring the means in these Proverbs and parables, the words of the wise and the riddles. Fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. My child, listen when your father corrects you. Don't neglect your mother's instructions. What you learn from them will crown you with grace and be a chain of honor around your neck. My child, if sinners entice you, turn your back on them. They may say, come and join us. Let's hide and kill someone just for fun. Let's ambush the innocent. Let's swallow them alive like the grave. Let's swallow them whole like those who go down to the pit of death. Think of the great things we'll get. We'll fill our houses with all the stuff we take. Come, throw in your lot with us. We'll all share the loot. My child, don't go along with them. Stay away from their paths. They rush to commit evil deeds. They hurry to commit murder. If a bird sees a trap being set, he knows to stay away. But these people set an ambush for themselves. They are trying to get themselves killed. Such is the fate of all who are greedy for money. It robs them of life. Wisdom shouts in the streets. She cries out in public squares. She calls to the crown along the main street, to those gathered in front of the city gate. How long, you simpletons, will you insist on being simple-minded? How long will you mockers relish your mocking? How long will you fools hate knowledge? Come and listen to my counsel. I'll share my heart with you and make you wise. I called you so often, but you shouldn't come. I reached out to you, but you paid no attention. You ignored my advice and rejected the correction I offered. So I will laugh when you are in trouble. I will mock you when disaster overtakes you. When calamity overtakes you like a storm, when disaster engulfs you like a cyclone, and anguish and distress overwhelm you. When they cry for help, I will not answer. Though they actually search for me, they will not find me. For they hated knowledge and choose not to fear the Lord. They rejected my advice and paid no attention when I corrected them. Therefore, they must eat the bitter fruit of living their own way, choking on their own schemes. For simpletons turn away from me to death. Fools are destroyed by their own complacency. But all who listen to me will live in peace, untroubled by fear or harm. Amen. That was chapter 1 of Proverbs New Living Testament. And some more footnotes here. 
The purpose for writing down these Proverbs was to teach people foundational principles of wisdom, discipline, and success, and in doing what is right, just, and fair. The first step to attain this kind of wisdom is the hardest, trusting and showing reverence, fear for God. This means admitting that we need help and then allowing God to guide and care for us. Wisdom is personified here, calling out to all who would choose to follow her. There is no real secret to obtaining wisdom. All we have to do is ask for it. If you need wisdom, ask for a generous God. Ask our generous God, and He will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking, unlike experience, which never gets get until after we need it. God's wisdom is available to us as soon as we are willing to listen to Him and obey His plan. Listen, folks, this is huge, what the saying right here. Right here, unlike experience, experience is very valuable, but we can... We can skip experience by asking God for His wisdom. You know, experience is we get wisdom after we get the experience or the failure. But in God's way, we ask Him for His wisdom that is available to us as soon as we are willing to listen to Him and obey His plan. So ask and sit down with a pen and paper and wait and act on God's instructions. He will talk to us. He will guide us. He will inspire us into do the right thing if we wait for the answer. Common sense, the idea sounds so folky and simple. Common sense will come to us very plainly. Oddly enough, however, we seem to have less and less of it. Perhaps it's because we're too busy or distant to learn from our parents and grandparents just as common sense is rare godly wisdom is also a quality hard to find the book of proverbs can be a helpful resource to fill the void left by the lack of wisdom and common sense in society today by reading and heeding the wise words of proverbs we can avoid many common destructive mistakes that come so naturally from our ignorance denial and pride Although he made numerous costly mistakes, Solomon was the wisest person who ever lived. Because Solomon valued wisdom so highly, he collected many wise proverbs and compiled them into a guidebook of insight and counsel. Solomon was by no means the only wise person of his day. There were others also known for the wisdom as credited with the with final books in this chapters. Solomon was particularly aware of the need for young people to develop proper priorities, boundaries, and behavior patterns. But young people were not Solomon's only concern. His collection of wisdom is invaluable to people of all ages and occupations. King Hezekiah later found the collection so important that he assigned his men to edit an installment of Solomon's Proverbs speaking to issues such as honesty, limits, and healthy relationships. As dysfunctional thinking and relationships become more prevalent in society, the godly wisdom offered by Proverbs is desperately needed. Its precious nuggets of life-changing counsel are there for us to discover and use. 
All of us, no matter how great our failure or hurt, can pro- proceed far down the path of healing by following the God-given wisdom of Proverbs. The purpose of the book of Proverbs to offer God-given wisdom for protection against dysfunctional behaviors and ungodly practices. Amen. This book is a book of wise sayings related to the priorities or problems of everyday living. Fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and discipline. Amen. So may the Lord bless us and help us to gain more of His wisdom so we can help others and ourselves in this life, this short life we have. God bless you. Greetings, family. Welcome. Welcome to today's podcast. Hope you're feeling fine. We're out, out in the outdoors of YouTube land really enjoy listening to the water the uh, birds and the calming effect that has on uh, being outdoors let's go ahead and open this session with a moment of silence followed by the serenity prayer god grant me the serenity to accept the things i cannot change the courage to change the things i can and the wisdom to know the difference amen oops Hit the wrong button. Okay, that was enough of that. No accidents here. May 23rd. Bridegroom Cometh by Gloria Copeland. Scripture for today is Matthew 25, 6. At midnight there was a cry made, Behold, a bridegroom cometh. Go you out to meet him. Matthew 25, 6. The Spirit of God is delivering a vital message to you today, to us. Get, let's get ready for Jesus' return. It's an old message, but there is a fresh urgency to it, an urgency we can't afford to ignore. Some believers make the mistake saying, Oh, well, I just don't think we're supposed to know about the second coming. It's supposed to come upon us like a thief in the night. But we may be wrong. The Word of God says that as children of light, we shouldn't be taken by surprise. We should be so keen in the spirit that even though we don't know the day and the hour, we should sense that the season of Jesus' return has come. First Corinthians 2.10 tells us that God reveals His plans to us through His Spirit. I suspect to those who are walking in the Spirit on the day of the Lord come again, will actually begin to anticipate that something is about to happen. <clears throat> Be like the five wise virgins in Matthew 25, who were prepared when the bridegroom arrival was announced. Stay full of the Holy Spirit with your light shining. Don't get caught sleeping with Jesus' returns. Wake up now to the Holy Spirit. Let Him put you on the side, inside track and get you ready for your Lord, because of just as Jesus foretold, there is a cry going out at midnight. The Spirit of the Lord is announcing His return. You can hear it in your spirit. Can you sense the Lord saying, Get up 
and come out to meet me. Fellowship with me. Get in the right now and at the crucial hour, you'll be on the inside of my plans. Get in the light now. And, and at that crucial hour, you'll be in the inside of my plans. <clears throat> Obey him quickly, for behold, the bridegroom cometh. And they want us to read <clears throat> Matthew 25, 1 through the 13. Let's go there. Matthew 25, 1 through 13. Thank you so much. I, I, I pray that these words find you in good health and a good attitude. That life is, uh, the miracles are yet to happen more and more. <clears throat> Matthew 25, 1 through 12, right? 13. Okay, here we go. When my coming draws near, heaven's kingdom realm can be compared to ten maidens who took their oil lamps and went outside to meet the bridegroom and his bride. I'm reading to you from the Passion Translation. Five of them were foolish and, and ill-prepared, for they took no extra oil for their lamps. Five of them were wise, for they took flasks of olive oil with their lamps. When the bridegroom didn't come, when they expected, they all grew drowsy and fell asleep. Then suddenly in the middle of the night, they were awakened by the shout, Get up, the bridegroom is here. Come out and have an encounter with him. So all the girls got up and trimmed their lamps, but the foolish ones were running out of oil. So they said to the five wise ones, Share your oil with us because our lamps are going out. We can't, they cried. No, they replied, we don't have enough for all of us. You have to go out and buy some for yourselves. While the five girls were out buying oil, the bridegroom appeared. Those who were ready and waiting were escorted inside with him and the wedding party to enjoy the feast. And then the door was locked. Later, the five foolish girls came running up to the door and pleaded, Lord, Lord, let us come in. Well, I know we were out. But he called back, go away. Do I know you? I can assure you, I don't even know you. That is the reason you should always stay awake and be alert because you don't know the day or the hour when the bridegroom will appear. Heavy duty stuff, huh? We always, and that's what we're doing here. We are part of that fiber. We are full of oil. And this right here, what we're doing and what we're listening to is our oil. Listening to the Word of God, listening to the Bible, listening in a new format that will give us interest. May the Lord bless you and keep you, be gracious to you, lift up His count and give you peace, establish you in every which way. Amen. All right, I'm going to go ahead and read for us Limitless Love. See if I can get that in this reading. All right, May 23rd. This is the Copeland's, as we know, as you already know. A smooth and simple flow by Kenny Copeland. The scripture is Matthew again, 21, 22. Whatsoever you shall ask in prayer, believing you shall receive. 
And the word believing, the Holy Spirit is telling me, is loving, being in love, being in joyful love, believing. <laughs> Isn't that easier? There has to be an easier, softer way in praying and believing. Whatsoever you shall ask in prayer, so prayer is asking. When you're praying, you should be asking. That's what it says here. And staying in love, believing that the Father is listening to you, is hearing you, believing you that, believing that we are receiving that as we pray. How amazingly simple those words are, Kenny Copeland says. They make believing and receiving sound like such a smooth and sure flow. They say nothing of the strain and struggle most of us have experienced as we try to walk by faith. They make no mention of the times when faith seems to fail and those things we need to receive stay stubbornly beyond our reach. Why didn't Jesus warn us about those times? Why didn't he let us know just what a difficult task believing and receiving really is? Because we do it his way, it really isn't that hard. When our believing and receiving is born out of a life of love, the hindrances to our prayers are moved out of the way. Our faith functions like it was divinely designed to. And we discover just how simple the life of faith was truly meant to be. Didn't I just say that? I did not read this before I started reading, guys. A friend of mine told me once of an experience that perfectly demonstrates this truth. He had been standing in faith for some time, believing to receive specific breakthroughs in his ministry. He had struggled and strained. He studied the word. He confessed the victory, seemingly to no avail. One day, in the midst of it all, the Lord reminded him of a fellow minister who had mistreated him some time before. This man had received much help and support from my friend, and in return had betrayed him, frankly, I felt he had stabbed me in the back and twisted the knife, he said. But I determined not to be ugly to him. I decided not to do anything to get revenge. Yet, as the Lord brought this man again to my friend's mind, he suddenly knew he hadn't fully forgiven him. He also knew that the Lord was telling him to, to do, what to do about it. He was telling him to take a significant financial gift to that man, hug his neck, and let him know that he is loved that was a tough thing for my friend to do, but he didn't have any warm feelings for the man at that time. But he did it anyway. He stepped out and determined to love that fellow minister by faith, regardless of his feelings. And when he did, it brought a great release. It didn't just bring a spiritual release in his heart either. It brought a release of those things he's been struggling to believe God for. Suddenly, effortlessly, doors began to open to him. Long-awaited breakthroughs come. In the atmosphere of love, faith began to work just like Jesus said it would. Believing and receiving became a smooth and simple flow. Note, when I used to listen to uh, Robert, uh, Robert, the, the guy, the evangelist, uh, he would say, uh, Oral Roberts. I listened to his cassette tapes on truck driving. Um, an ex-sister-in-law of mine gave me a bunch of cassettes before she passed away and went to be home with the Lord. 
And I listened to those cassettes because they, they were dear to me, right? I listened and listened. I still have a few of them here and there. And Pastor Oral Roberts would always say, note, when he was about to say something. Note. I want to bring something to you to, to your attention that may, may want to go against, um, actually, I add, it might go against your theological thinking, is uh, how rebellious a son can get with a parent. And no reason for it. You give them love, nurturing, everything you can possibly give, enthusiasm, joy, till they had enough. So they say, okay, folks, you're, you're going into rid ridicule mode now. Yeah, let me live my life. Or he just locks himself away in, in videos or YouTube or games and so forth because we're, uh, we're afraid of sin and we're afraid they're going to get contaminated with sin out there. But like any strong bridge, it has to be built. It has to go out there and be tested. If we brought the child in the admonition of the Lord and was right and wrong and didn't fly off the handle, which we probably didn't, which we did flew in rage, which we did spank him, which we did speak to him like we're God. But that's the point I'm making. You know, that's why these these pastors here got hurt. One of them was playing uh, too much God and significantly trying to get the other one started. And the other one automatically turned around like a child, hurt the parent. And now the parent comes back and gives them more money <laughs> to heal an event. And supposedly uh, the Lord opened the windows of heaven and poured out the thing. But I'm saying in the first place, we, we should have been reading the book of Proverbs, reading the word of God. When we try to do some so much for somebody and they don't look to God and smoothly pray whatsoever they shall ask in prayer, believing God, they shall receive. Not believing me, not me playing God, not them playing God for me, but a one-on-one -on -one basis with God. You have a God, I have a God. Let's put him to work. Let's command him. Say, Lord, I easily and happily I ask you, Lord, for wisdom, for sanctification, for redeeming, for righteousness. And he goes, you have those already. I gave you those already. Just start acting like it. Just have your emotions change. I love you. God bless you. I'm going into another area. Again, I am long-winded. Hallelujah, bless you, God bless you. Whatsoever we ask in prayer, lovingly, we shall receive. Let's go ahead and ask for something good, okay? And the next four days, Heavenly Father, we ask, Lord God, that you will remember all the seeds, all the good we have given. Lord, we ask, Lord God, that there be a return on those seeds we have planted, Lord, to the poor, to the weak. We command you, Lord, we command you lovingly, Father, Lord, from the depths of the heavens, um, what is established in heaven and the earth, how it hears you, Lord, how it responds. We command, Lord, those seeds take fruit and come forth and bring back of their kind, Lord, of what we planted. 
We planted financial seeds. We planted prayer seeds. We planted healings and and rhythm of love in people's lives, Lord. Let it come back to us for in four days abundantly. In Jesus' name, let it be, Lord. Amen. Take care. Love you.